I have a hell of a show lined up for you today. I think you guys are really going to love the interview with Tannis. But before we get into that, I just want to thank Heather, who was the very first person to donate to the FitCast Network to make a contribution through the PayPal link on the right-hand side of FitCast.network. She's basically said that I love these shows. This network is worth supporting with a financial contribution, and she kind of voted with her money. So thank you so much, Heather. And that's how I'm hoping to kind of do this down the road is to mostly have support from the audience to continue to produce all these shows and to deliver every single week to you guys. So thank you so much to to Heather for being the first, and I hope many more will go to thickass.network. You can make a one-time or monthly contribution through that PayPal link. And you've heard me mention it in the past, but you can just go and buy stuff on Amazon. But make sure you go to FitCast.network first and then click on the Amazon button on the upper right-hand corner. That sends you right back to Amazon, and then you can continue your shopping. It's one more step for you, but it is a sign that you enjoy this stuff and that you want to help support the network. And you still get the same great deals, same great shipping, all that stuff. But a little bit gets kicked back to the network. We've been able to generate about $40 in the last couple of weeks through that link. And I'm hoping to grow that because again, I want to continue to produce these shows and even grow on the network to continue to deliver great content to you guys. So thank you to everyone that supports the show on Patreon through that Amazon link or making one-time or monthly contributions through PayPal. You guys are the best. You're telling me that you enjoy this stuff and that you want more of it. So thank you so much. It means so much as someone that's starting a new business to see that. Thank you. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to another episode of uh, We Are Recording, which this is so great. Tennis, I, I did the first episode with uh, Brian Patrick Murphy, and uh, I I said the name of the show wrong <laughs> when we did the, the first episode, and that's what this is all about. It's about kind of like feeling out what this show is all about, because the whole joke was, you know, uh, we are recording. Like that, that's how, I, oh, like that's, that's how, I, that's how, I, yeah, that's how I start each episode is like, all right, we're recording. And, uh, and this is anyways, uh, my guest today is Tannis Pronto. Yeah. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think I got the name correct. And this is the cool thing about you as the guest for this show is that we, we have, we have like so many different avenues that we can go down in terms of discussion and for for you just to do like a like a brief intro um i guess like how i'm trying to figure out how we figured out like we kind of not knew each other but you you were listening to uh the fitcast and and before that like i just happened to see you on house of cards but didn't realize you were listening to to the fitcast so um, maybe that's like a place to start, like how you got into, I guess, like the, the fitness stuff and how you, you ended up kind of getting into this like sub pocket of the fitness industry. <laughs> I like that. That's a good description of where I am. Sub pocket. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't even remember how I came across the FitCast. I've been listening for sporadically since I'm only on, I think I finally got to episode 300. Um, I'm still behind. 
but um, yeah, I've been listening to the podcast for a long time, and I, yet I forget how I came across it. I think maybe uh, it might have been through Lee Peel, like following her nice. online. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I think I saw you might have tweeted something about House of Cards, and so that's when I um, told you that I was in it and that I was a listener. Yeah, I think uh, it was probably – it would have been uh, season – which – season four just come out? Season four just came out, yeah. Okay, so it would have been season three where like John and I were kind of like – as you do with Netflix shows, you just watch it all on a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like talking about, oh my god, it's all this crazy stuff like Frank Underwood is uh, – Terrible, but also awesome at the same time. Um, it's it's the perfect love hate relationship with the character. But um, yeah, like that that that's super rad. And um, I, you you also are like you you do some stuff in the in the fitness industry as well. Like if you go to your website or even if you um, you know follow you on Twitter, like you are talking about you know fitness. You know the transformation that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, in I believe it was 2013 when you talked about uh, working with uh, awesome guy, guy guy that I really need to talk to again soon, uh, Jason Ferugia. Yeah, um, I made a couple transformations. Actually, I made one on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first uh, initial sort of um, hook into getting passionate about um, fitness again because mm-hmm. I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, played a bunch of different sports growing up. What'd you, what, what were you playing? Um, well, I was a figure skater, mm-hmm. uh, being from Canada. Um, so that was my main sport. Um, I think I learned to skate when I was three and then I competed, um, when I was older mm-hmm. and I skated until I was 18 and then left my small town for, uh, the nearest city to go to, um, university. But that was kind of the main one. And then I also played basketball and volleyball. Those were my two top like in school mm-hmm. um, sports. And I did track. I did, uh, I was a sprinter. I did hundred meter, 200 meter relay, hundred meter relay and uh triple jump. You're a hell of an athlete. You're playing all those sports. Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding? And then I used to do like, I, like I used to do um, hurdles and badminton and all these other things. But then as I, that was when I was probably, I don't know, around 13. And then maybe it had to do with the way I grew, but I couldn't, all of a sudden I couldn't do hurdles anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could just sprint, but, but yeah, um, I did a lot of sports. And then um, when I was in high school, I remember sort of playing around in a weight room um, and kind of doing like barbell movements here and there, but nothing too seriously. But I remember really liking it. And then in my undergrad, I actually have a bachelor's degree in physical education. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know, I knew I had to go to school when I finished high school, but I didn't know what to take because I just had no um, sense of direction for school at that point. But And then I heard you could take uh, physical education. I thought, well, I'm good at phys ed, so I'll take that. <laughs> so I did. And then um, when I had to choose my route in my second year, they called it your choose a route, uh, I chose physical activity and sport performance. And then from there, I kind of went into athletic therapy. And then, yeah, and then I, I worked with the volleyball team. Um, I was their trainer, like trainer on the bench dealing with injuries and stuff for the last couple of years there. But then it was my very last year in my undergrad, and I had one more elective I had to fill outside of phys ed. And I thought drama 101 looked really fun, so I took drama 101, and then that was that was the end of my phys ed career. 
and I uh, got bit by the acting bug. And then I finished my degree and uh, uh, moved on to acting. But um, I never really, I still kind of I was interested in fitness, but um, I hadn't really studied it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just did whatever sort of came my way, like all, you know, any kind of mainstream, like, oh, what is it? <laughs> Those like old sort of met- really long metabolic workouts, like on DVDs. Um, I don't remember what it was called, like stuff like that. And any, ma- right, any, right. um, anything I'd read in a magazine, you know, and be spinning my wheels forever trying to, uh, get, get this, a certain aesthetic look that I would never achieve. <laughs> but then fast forward to like oh, eight years later and I moved to New York and I, I moved to New York to come to grad school to, I uh, get my master's in fine arts in acting. And then, of course, I had no time really to work out when I was in school. But uh, when I was finished, um, I somehow stumbled on Martin Birkin's Lean Gains website. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember how that happened, but that just hooked me. And I read the entire website from like his first post to his latest post. And that really was the first introduction to opening my eyes about the myths that I that are prevalent in the fitness industry. Right. And what I had been doing for the last, um, eight years of my life. So, and then that from there, I found, um, like Ellen Aragon and Lee Peel, who I said, and, um, so I could list so many of them now, um, girls gone strong and, mm-hmm. um, Brett Contreras and Jason. Um, and so once I got out of school, I could really start focusing on, um, being in the, the weight room again. And cause that's what I, well, but out of everything, that's, what gave me that that was the most fun for me. And then once I found, um, that I could, the progress that I made was the motivation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the making progress in all my lifts and, um, and then seeing results on top of that, of what I like achieving goals where, um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And so I would, uh, spend a lot of my spare time reading the work of all these fitness professionals online. And so that's kind of how that was all born. Well, that's a that's a hell of a lineup of people to be to be following, and like just the 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 wealth of great information from from those guys can basically you put that together, you're going to have some some good results if you're following that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first um, transformation, I would say, was uh, through lean gains and just following um, what I read online. Just mm-hmm. that all the information that Martin offers for free. Um, I had the chance to work with him, but I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so, um, I just did it on my own and I got into the greatest shape of my life. And then, uh, that was 2012, I think. And then, uh, after that, yeah. And then I had the opportunity to work with Jason in 2013, mm-hmm. um, which was incredible. It was three, I would end up being four months. Um, because we, I was a test subject for his bikini, him and Jen's bikini body workouts program before they launched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had three months of just private online coaching with the two of them, and that was incredible. Yeah, again, I, 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 I think the last time that I saw Jason was when I was living out in Santa Monica in two thousand and eight. <laughs> like oh, that's that's how far back that goes. I think it was it was with him and. Jen, I think, and uh, they took me out to this this raw food restaurant, <laughs> which in 2008 uh, was not something I was necessarily ready for. And I, yeah. 
I could not find anything on the menu that looked remotely appetizing <laughs> or that like didn't look something that was just so anti-anabolic that I would just shrivel up if I had it. So um, I think I ended up getting like some kind of like peanut butter chocolate smoothie that I drank about half of and thankfully they didn't give me any crap for, for not finishing it. But um, so you, you went to grad school. Was grad school for acting? Yeah. Um, before that, I, um, in between graduating from my, my undergrad, um, I was in Edmonton in Alberta up in Canada. And then right after I, I finished that degree, I moved to Vancouver because, you know, I wanted to be an actor now. So it was either you got to go to Vancouver, or you got to go to Toronto. And I thought, well, Vancouver's closer to Alberta. So I'll just go to Vancouver. So I was there for about eight years. Um, but I wasn't taking it too seriously. Like I, I was taking classes, but they were these weekly on camera hour classes and with not without very much depth to them. So I was sort of learning the craft of acting, but um, not to the extent I really wanted to. And uh, it took a while for me to realize that I needed to be immersed fully in a program, like a conservatory style program. So, uh, and then it took a while for me to decide to actually go through and do it. So I auditioned to a few schools and I got into one in New York and um, I just thought, well, what better place to learn the craft of acting than New York City? So that's how I ended up here. Well, th that's like the three spots. It's either Vancouver. I mean, that, that way you can be on every Stargate show uh, <laughs> and then you can go to New York where there's, of course, you know, Broadway and things like that. And then Los Angeles where you can get your, your TV and, and your movies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so when, when you got to New York, was it like straight, uh, you know, hundred percent schooling all the time or were you even like getting into school and then still like starting to poke around and, and seeing if there's any like gigs that you can get? Um, it was pretty much, uh, school a hundred percent of the time. Um, like living in the drama building <laughs> from like eight in the morning until like 11 o'clock at night. Um, but through, I was there for, it was a three-year degree, and there was time here and there where I could work outside school. It, the one, one of the good things about my program was that they didn't discourage you from auditioning outside of school. Mm -hmm. If you could handle it and you could fit it into your schedule, then that's great, um, which I'm really thankful for because when I was in school, I made a lot of great contacts outside of school, and I did do some work outside of school. Um, and those contacts are are so valuable to me now, um, more so than the contacts I made in school for for a lot of the um, for the most part. Um, because you, when you're in drama school and you you're an actor, and you just sometimes you don't get cast in all the shows in school, and uh, that's not something that you think that's going to happen going in. Um, I I'd went in thinking that I'll get all this experience on stage because I hadn't been on stage at that point. I had just been in film and TV in Vancouver. Um, and then I barely ever got cast in anything because we had a lot of actors in my program and very little shows. And it was discouraging, but that at the same time, it motivated me to um, look outside of school for work to get experience. And so I did. And then now that's what's um, turning out to be more fruitful was the things outside of school anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when, what's, what's the question that I want to ask? Um, so 
When when you like get into acting, is as as like an actor, do you or an actress, do you feel like there's a certain role like you really want to play? Like, are you looking for a role? Or are you kind of just like looking for? I mean, I guess for it's a cold term, but like looking for a job. Um, it, it depends. Right now, it's it's not really looking for just any job and it's not that I'm looking for a specific role. Um, but you get to see so many breakdowns of, um, castings that come your way. And so you do pick and choose Well, I do anyways at this point, um, which ones I do want to audition for and which ones I do want to take or not. But, um, I don't know. There hasn't, as far as like plays and things like that, like, um, there are roles that, I would love to play, but they're not always being produced. You know, Um, there's a lot of new work being produced, which is great. Um, But they're not necessarily plays that I've read or roles that I know of. So um, at this point, I'm just um, seeing what comes across, you know, my my desk and uh, deciding whether or not it's a role that I think is worthy of um, pursuing or not. Well, let's talk a little bit about that process because when I talked, uh, like I talked to Brian Patrick Murphy of uh, Mark Fisher Fitness a little bit about this, and um, like the the, I guess like the stress that kind of goes into the the auditioning process because you you kind of walk into a room with a bunch of people, you're all fighting for roughly the same job or the same pool of of potential jobs on a, on a show or a film or something like that. Um, so what? how do you or do you adjust like your mindset before going into that stuff because of there being so many other people also shooting for that same position? Yeah, that, um, that take, that took me a while to, um, kind of get over, I guess, uh, not psyching myself out, um, by thinking of all the other people that are up for the same role and the performances they might be giving in the room. Um, but uh, that was definitely auditions are such a weird, weird situation. They're so unrealistic. <laughs> They're not anything like the actual job is going to be. You know, you're in this room with one other person, and or maybe more, depending on what stage you are in uh, the casting game. But um, yeah, it it just takes a lot of work to um, come to a point where I have to look at it as it's it's just a chance to work. It's a chance to do some work Mm -hmm. and it's not putting on a, you know, a final performance for anything. It's not trying to get a job, um, and hoping they hire you. I just have to go in and, uh, and do my work and be excited that I get a chance to act and use it as, um, a moment as, as working with a casting director. Um, but like I said, not please hire me, please hire me. Mm-hmm. I'm the best for this. Just uh, a chance to just show them what you're bringing to the role because you could, you could be in a group of um, a bunch of brilliant, talented actors who are all doing great work. And it, you just have to bring your own personal element to it and a, and a part of yourself to it. And it just depends on, um, there's, it depends on a lot of different factors. Um, but as long as, I go in and I know I've done my work and I've shown them what I wanted to show them. Um, I'm happy with that. And I have to leave it at, at that because there are so many factors to uh, getting the job that are so that are 
completely out of your control. And a, and a lot of the factors are out of your control. So you just kind of have to go in and do your work and um, be happy with what you did and, and leave it alone and move on. Is that like the worst part of what you have to do in your career, auditioning? Um, I don't know that it's the worst part. It it depends on the audition, but hmm. um well, have you had any like really it, like nightmare auditions? Uh no, I I wouldn't say I've had any nightmare auditions, but um I've definitely had auditions where I've figured out during this my time there that I didn't want the job, that I didn't want to there was red flags with the way they ran the auditions and and um the people in the room and uh mm-hmm. but Sometimes, like, I'll see a casting and I, I won't even go because it'll there will be a red flag. Like, they'll want you to do, a, like, a five-minute monologue or something, which is just ridiculous. Um, so I've, I've come to a point where I'm able to weed out what I think uh, I should probably avoid. <laughs> but I'm maybe if you would have asked me that question about auditioning, like, ten years ago, <laughs> I would have said yes. But now, because I look at it as you know, a chance to work and meet, meet new people and develop relationships further. Um, I actually look forward to them now. <laughs> well, I mean, just for looking from the outside in, um, it, it would always be like an opportunity to at least, even if you don't like get that part, you can kind of audition for the casting director for a future or future, like not, non-existent role. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, I've heard that a lot from casting directors where even if they don't use you for, if you're not right for that, they bring you in because they think you're right for the role, but then, you know, someone else gets it or it turns out maybe um, you aren't exactly what they were thinking. Um, Yeah. Then you're on their radar. And if they like you, they'll bring you in for um, all the other projects they're doing whenever they think that you are, you know, fit for another, another role. So it's always good to uh, continue to develop those relationships. Um, do you have any like ambitions to, that's like a weird word to use for this. Like, do you want to like write? Do you, do you want to like, I, I know I talked to like a lot of people that have worked in the industry. Um, and uh, like a big thing that, that they feel like they need to do is kind of like, I can't find the part that I want to play. So I'm just going to screw it. I'm going to write it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, writing. I haven't really wanted to do too much um producing is something that I've wanted to do um because I've had other people's scripts I've collected some scripts over the years that I've wanted to produce um as far as like turning them into uh films mm-hmm. um but and then I really got it I got antsy about wanting to start producing last year um or well actually I guess it was the end of uh 2014 um but I didn't want my first um, try at producing to be someone else's material. So I thought, well, I'll write something, but then I've never written anything really. (laughs) So I didn't really know what to do, but, um, I realized I had a short story that was, um, loosely based on a personal experience that I had, uh, told in a rehearsal process for a, um, play a couple years ago. And then I thought, oh, I can just turn that little short story into a short film. And then, you know, that'll be my first like producing thing so I did that um I ended up just writing this nine minute short and then I uh filmed it got a crew together and filmed it last year and that was my the first film under my belt for producing let's talk talk about that 
Yeah. Because uh, you have like I don't even want to take a step back. So you have this this nine minute that this script for for a nine minute film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that like I've thought about, and I know I'm so almost unorganized and uh, unable to look two or three steps ahead of myself. What what is that thought process like? From all right, we have what we want to produce. Okay, now uh, let's go find a camera. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, it was um, at first I thought, okay, I just wanted to produce something and I wanted to finish it and then be like, yay, I produced something. Now I'm going to move on to these other really awesome scripts and get those out there. Um, but starting with step one with the script that I had written, my next step was, okay, I need a director because mm-hmm. I don't want to direct it. I want to be in it and I want to produce it, but I don't want to direct it. So, um, I wanted it, I knew I wanted a female director and I, um, at that point I wasn't thinking I wanted an indigenous director as well, but I had heard the last time I was home over in Peace River, um, where I'm from in Alberta, like the summer before that. And I was talking to the president of the Métis Nation, um, which is the nation I'm from in, uh, Northern Alberta. And, uh, um, she had told me that this lady, uh, her daughter, that this lady that she knew her daughter was in Brooklyn and she was a producer. And, um, I, she told me her daughter's name and it was Alex. And, uh, I thought, Oh, well, I know Alex. I met her like eight years ago. We worked on a TV show. Um, and then I, I had no idea she was there. So I thought, well, great. She's female and awesome. She's actually from where I'm from and she's, um, she's also indigenous. And so I met with her and I said, Hey, do you want to take a look at this? Maybe you'd want to be my director. And, uh, she did thankfully. And, um, it actually, from there, it actually, that's where it branched off into being something much more professional and much more special than I initially thought it was going to be because she's like a complete professional. She's been producing for, I think almost like eight to 10 years at that point. And she's like just turned 30. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she, um, it was also perfect for me too, because being new at producing and having a director who's done a bunch of producing, she was sort of my mentor in the process. Like she guided me the whole way. So I, um, she was able to help me find um, a lot of the crew and I found a cinematographer that I had worked with before. Um, but just because of her, um, her thoughts and her input, the production was just elevated to a much higher level. And I'm really thankful for that now. But um, so the production value with this, that first film um, is a lot more than uh, what I'm doing right now with this experiment that I'm doing. But um, (laughs) so it it depends on, I guess, how much money you have to, because um, at the time when I was producing my film last year, I didn't save any money beforehand and think, okay, I have X amount of dollars for this budget of this film. Mm -hmm. What we would do is um, Alex would tell me, okay, we need to rent this piece of equipment. We need to go get this. We need to, you know, it's some, how, what's the budget for, um, I don't know. She would ask me for like lighting or what's the budget for, um, something else. And I would be like, Alex, I don't have a budget. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't raise any money. So just try to keep the cost low and I will crowdfund later and hopefully recoup all my costs. And so I just threw everything on my credit card and, uh, we shot the film and then I did crowdfund later and I did 
um, make all the money back, which is nice. And then enough actually to pay everybody too. But so there's a lot of factors. Like if you have money ahead of time and you can hire people and pay them and rent equipment and, and do all that stuff, that's great. But if you don't, your other option is to find people who are willing to volunteer, um, who might need credits, um, and who might need the practice too, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, it is a largely sliding scale of where, what you can do, you know, um, when you're producing something, but, uh, yeah, now I'm doing it sort of on the opposite end where I'm just doing it all myself just to see what that's like. Well, for, for a seven minute film, how, what does that crew look like? Well, for mine, it, um, I tried to keep it as simple as possible. Um, when I wrote it, uh, I kept it all in there. It was supposed to be a couple different apartments, but luckily we could shoot it just in my apartment. So I had like a 13 person crew, um, and well, cast and crew, I should say there was, do you have to zone for that? Do you have to get a a permit? (laughs) Not to shoot in my own apartment. No. Um, and we did some shooting on the street and in the subway in New York and, we didn't have to get a permit for that. I, I don't even know what the rules are with permits. I think in the subway, you you have to get a permit if you're shooting on the platform or something. I don't know. So we just kind of guerrilla styled it and did it, did like a couple takes and then hopped on the train and <laughs> did like the enter, the um, stairs going in and coming up. You know, that's exactly what they did for one of the best films of all time, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, where they could not get <laughs> filming permits in Tokyo. So they would just film with the cars and they would just get the hell out of there before the cops got over there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what great filmmakers do. Yeah. You got to, you know, you got to work around some things. You can use the rules. Permits. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I just shot a film um, and we had to shoot in a park last week and they had to get that permit like a month ahead of time. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, so we just shot in my apartment. Um, It was a fifth floor walk up, which was uh, really unfortunate for lugging equipment all the way upstairs, but we made it work. Um, And I had a director, assistant director, a cinematographer, myself, four, uh, wait, one, two, three other actors. one guy who did lighting, one guy who did sound, two other people who were just kind of helping, like doing stills and like with craft services and stuff. Um, I think there was, yeah, 13 people altogether. I might be missing someone, but, um, and that was like bare bones. It, we could have used more hands, but I might couldn't fit more people in my apartment either. And it's really difficult scheduling that many people. I can't believe you get craft services for a seven minute film. <laughs> well, you have to, you have to feed, if you're not paying your people right off the bat, you right. have to feed them. You have to feed them well or else they don't, I mean, they have some, of course they have a little bit of incentive to get another credit under their belt, but is that a union thing to, too? Like an actor's guild thing? Um, I, my, my film was union, um, because I'm in the union and right. even though I was the producer, I still had to apply send all the paperwork in just to hire myself. (laughs) And they say it's because they want, they're protecting you from yourself, which I understand. (laughs) But um, yeah, you have to have certain meal breaks and uh, things like that. But, and I just understand too, like I've been on really crappy sets in my past where they haven't really been that great with breaks and food. And you have to keep your crew in good spirits because you want to keep them motivated to work through the day and um, produce something that you are all happy with. So food is really important. 
what like what would you say are like the biggest lessons that you learned from that that first that first film that you produced the seven minute film um I would say having a budget ahead of time is uh wise is knowing having an idea of knowing what you want to spend mm-hmm. uh, and uh allotting just so you can you know you can go over it or under it or whatever, but just uh doing the research on how much things are going to cost and how, how willing you are going to be to uh, spend the money. But, um, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty much like the, the number one thing. Um, well, you carried yeah. it over. I'm guessing you're, you're carrying it over to, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing right now. Okay. Um, because again, if, if people are, are following you on, on Twitter, they've potentially seen some, some, mm-hmm. I guess, pictures from the set. Of, of what you've been working on? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm producing a film myself, but I also was just in a film that I was just cast in that I'm not producing. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. So, yeah, that film is called uh, Snuff the Movie. Um, and it's, the, <laughs> it's about a snuff film crew um, who accidentally kills their actress too early in the film. <laughs> and awesome. so they, they get a replacement um, because she, you know, she, she was this blonde bimbo quote unquote, that's in the actual script. Um, right. you know, just wants to be in a movie. So they're like, we can get another one. They're all, you know, but they're dime a dozen. They're replaceable like actresses in general. They're trying to, um, say these days, but, um, the tables end up turning and, uh, the two, my character is, uh, she's the assistant director. She's the sort of, I guess she's the lead of the film. Um, she is just treated terribly by her director and all the, the rest of the crew, which are all males, except for one, um, one girl. And, uh, so the, the actress that replaces the dead actress, um, approaches my character and we sort of team up to, um, turn the tables on everybody, uh, because they think we're so, um, lowly and replaceable. Wait, you didn't <laughs> and so- kill everyone, did you? Um, Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. I don't want to give anything away in the film (laughs) (laughs) because it'll be on the festival circuit next year. So (laughs) go see it. Um, But it's a great, it's a really smart, funny film. um, And it's, it's very uh, empowering for women. And uh, it was such a fun shoot and everybody was really great. I'm excited to see it was set in the eighties. So (laughs) I had this crazy eighties hair and makeup and um, yeah, it was really great. Did you, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess those movies have to be pretty fun to, to, to shoot just because of all like the ridiculous, like violence that would be in it. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot of ridiculous violence in it, but it was actually, there were a lot of firsts in that film that I got to do. Um, cause I did get to kill someone, um, a couple of people actually, I got to, uh, bash someone's head in with a. Um, a C stand, which was great. So I got to have, I got the whole fake blood mm-hmm. experience and, um, yeah, actually I, I've played parts where I've killed people before, but you've never gotten to see it. So this was great to actually be able to do it on camera. It was really fun. <laughs> that must be like at least not to be morbid, but that must be like somewhat, uh, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, uh, it must be. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. For right now, I'm, I'm thinking of like a therapist. Like it must be therapeutic, 
or, or um, something um, like it is, it is somewhat cathartic. Yes. Cathartic. There you thanks. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> this is what happens when you do three podcasts in one day. <laughs> oh, wow. Losing my words. Yeah. No, it definitely, yeah, it's definitely, um, cathartic for sure. There's a, there's some aspect and not just killing people, um, <laughs> but there are other elements to, uh, expressing emotion because you get to express emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're, um, we're such a, I feel like these days, like it's not everyone can express emotion in their lives as easy as, um, as easy as other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like sometimes in society, people choose to hold things in instead of it really expressing themselves. And when you're acting, you get to experience all that. You get to say all this stuff um, that you might not say in, in your life um, or, or that you might not really say in that moment if that was really you, you know. So um, it's fun that way because you, you get to be expressive. If that makes sense. I don't know. It, it makes total sense, and that's why, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous. Like, that's, uh, that's being able to, I guess, I guess, act is something that I is a skill that I wish I had, or, or the the ability to, like, it, it is incredible to see people like literally just like almost pull this bodysuit over them of this character and completely live and, and like breathe through them as a completely different person is uh is a skill that is just absolutely mind-blowing uh to me so for the people that can do it and then pull it off that is a uh, hats off kind of thing you know yeah it is it is pretty incredible but I, I will say though although you are playing another person there's always an element of you in that person in that role that you're playing there's always a piece of you in there. You're, it just has to be that way. Um, I, well, A, I think it's better that way because mm-hmm. it, it brings um, a uniqueness to it. Um, but it's just impossible, I think, to avoid also because you're you and you're, <laughs> you're a human being and you're everything that you've lived and experienced and um, you're pretending to be someone else, but you're still there. So that's kind of tied together. You sort of married together into this, I don't know, like morphed person. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird relationship. Do you feel uh, like is it hard as as an actor to let go of that character when you're done with it? Sometimes. Like you're kind of like throwing it out, right? Uh, not really. I don't know if I think of it. Through, I guess I sort of think of it as like just tucking it away, like putting it on my in my little actor closet, like on a shelf. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Yeah. To, to let go as far as, um, it's not that, you know, I want to be this character every day, but there's a piece of every character that I, I fall in love with, um, that I love being and, um, I love playing and, um, and that's the other thing too, you're playing, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to do. And there's always this like post show or post film, like right now I'm experiencing the sort of like post set, not really a depression, but like, oh, it's over, you know, I'm not going to mm. see the crew tomorrow. I'm not going to get to do this fun scene and say these fun lines and play this fun character. And, um, and there's definitely so many elements in um, different person in all the different personalities that I've gotten to play that, um, that I'm a, that I, um, 
I don't know that I just am so drawn to, I guess. And so that, that I just love and that connect me to that character and, um, sort of break my heart at the same time. Sometimes, you know, you just, I just can feel such strong feelings, um, for and about these characters that I do end up missing them. And, but then sometimes it comes around where I get to reprise a role and play a character again. And that gets so exciting, um, because I've, I've loved the character so much. So, um, yeah, you take, it takes a little piece of you, but I don't know. It's like just uh, saying like, see you later to a friend that you might not see in a while. <laughs> that sounds so crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, for, for, for you, would, what's more appealing to you? Would it be playing a character for, for one film or doing, you know, five seasons of 20 episodes a year TV show kind of thing? Oh, like, would you want to be inside like that character? Of course you would have like your, I guess your off season where you could go and do something else to kind of like do a refresher or something like that. But, you know, for whatever it would be like 25 weeks out of the year, 30 weeks out of the year, you'd basically be this person. Um, I do, I do want to do that because I haven't done that yet. Mm -hmm. And the way film and TV are going these days, you know, TV is just huge. And well, all, I guess web series, really what they all are, you know, all these, um, Netflix series and Amazon and Hulu and everything that's online basically and not on cable. Um, it's like being in this ex- like extended movie now. Mm. Um, so I, I would love to do that because I think it would be exciting with all the brilliant writing that's in TV right now. Um, but I am also drawn to uh, like what you said about, you know, going from film to film and playing different characters that way. I'm kind of hungry for it all still right now. So it's like, it's still like quantum leap where you're leaping into a new person. This is uh Hey, if you know anyone, see if we can bring back quantum leap. Oh yeah. Do that. See if Scott Bakula <laughs> wants to reverse his roles. He can be, uh, he can be Al because he's a little bit older now, but, um, it's probably already in the works. You know, Every, uh, everything's I, coming back around again. I hope so. They can't, he's, I think he's like on CSI or something like that. You can't, it's hard to pull people uh-huh. away from that CSI cash, you know? That's true. <laughs> At least that's what I would guess from there being 48 CSI TV shows. Um, let me let me talk to you about so so what what's like what's going on right now? What are you working on right now? Right now, well, since I just wrapped Snuff, um, I'm going back to uh, this experiment of the short film I'm doing all by myself. So what I wanted to do with this was after I made my film last year. Um, it's been great and I've been, it's been in festivals and I'm still continuing on with it, um, in the sort of festival world and it might actually get some, uh, broadcasting overseas. And so there's things in the works with that, but I wanted to produce something else again, mm-hmm. but I still feel like I, I'm not ready to, uh, jump back into a huge production again, um, you know, with a big crew. Uh, so to doing these other, um, scripts that I've been thinking about forever. So what I wanted to do was, um, just kind of produce something small and, and do it quick and, and get content up, um, and not be delicate with it as far as like only putting in, it in film festivals first, you know, I just want to like get stuff up and get it online and let people see it for free and just practice really like flex my producing muscle. Um, so I have, met a writer online. Um, he's in, uh, British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver. And, uh, his name is Andrew Janai. And he, we ended up connecting somehow, I think through Twitter and he sent me a bunch of his scripts and I love his writing. I just love it so much. And he sent me 
a whole bunch of short films and a web series. And so um, I've just picked one and I'm uh, doing, uh, it's like a, I think it's like a three or four minute short, actually. It's about four pages long. But I thought, okay, this would be my experiment just to see if I can do everything all by myself because I don't have the time and energy and money to gather a crew and to schedule people and do all that right now. But I still want to get some content out. So I'm just going to do it myself. And um, part of the reason, too, I'm doing it myself is because I also want to um, sort of maybe hopefully have it be an inspiration to people who are thinking about starting to create their own content that you don't need to get all those um all those factors in order you could, but like you can just grab your camera and do stuff on your own too. And just to get stuff up and out there so people can see your face and see you, see you on camera. Um, so that's, I just kind of want to show what I can do on my own sort of thing and see what kind of quality I can get and see what Andrew and I can do together without even knowing each other in person yet and being in two different countries. And, um, that's kind of, uh, how, what this experiment is right now. So I'm, uh, I've been shooting for the last few weeks, but really sporadically, like one day here and then like a week later, I'll shoot like a couple scenes for over an hour and then it'll, it'll be all over the place whenever I have spare time. Um, and this is, is just you and a camera, just me and a camera in my apartment. But what's happening, I decided to vlog about it because, um, I don't know anything about cameras or audio or anything, even though I have produced, I didn't have my hand in any of those technical aspects. So I have this camera that I bought that I don't know really how to use. So what are you using? Um, it's a Samsung NX 30. It's a mirrorless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's a beautiful camera, but there's all these settings that I'm like, I don't know what all these mean. So I'm just going to put it on auto everything. But then the problem with auto is it doesn't look exactly how I want it to look. So I'm coming across all these obstacles and stumbling blocks, but I'm learning along the way. So although this is only a four page script, it's taking me forever because I keep learning new things about the camera and about the audio and about the sh- like what I want out of it, you know, different shots and stuff. And so I'm reshooting a lot because of all the things that I keep learning along the way. So that's why I decided to vlog about it. So I could also show people like, this is why it's taking so long to do a four page film. <laughs> well, yeah, I think like that's the big thing is, is the, the factor and the, the, uh, or excuse me, the time factor and the, the drive to do it. Because I mean, like my phone, my iPhone six is, it shoots 4k video at 30 frames per second. Like, Oh, no longer are cameras like, or even like audio equipment, it only needs to be as good as you need it to be, I guess. Yeah. No, that's true. You can't, there's so many, there's even film festivals that are just iPhone film festivals. Yeah, you can, I mean, again, this is like every phone, but even <laughs> on the, the iPhone, like with iMovie, it has such in-depth video editing capabilities now mm-hmm. where you can actually like add video effects and like proper transitions and clean up audio and redub audio and all add musical tracks and yep. all this stuff. It's just getting, it's getting ridiculous. So, um, I, I guess as, as we kind of wrap, wrap things up a little bit, um, I, I wanted to talk to you about, maybe we hit on this a little bit, but like what, what is, like you, you have the opportunity, you have the, the cash, you have the, the people that you need, what, what are you putting together? What is, what do you want to produce? What is the thing that you really want to, to work on and, uh, without, you know, giving out any like specific ideas or anything like that? Um, well, there are, 
two scripts that I'm uh, that started this whole producing mm-hmm. um, idea in the first place. And the first one was um, it was a short play that I was in when I was in school in like my second year. So that was 2009 or 2010. It was a 40 minute play, and I just fell in love with the play and the characters um, and the relationships. And it was so complicated and such a beautiful play. Um, And I just envisioned the, uh, it's set on a beach, um, this like little beach town, this vacation sort of town. And I just could envision like how beautiful of a film it would be. And um, that just kind of got the spark going. And then it's not actually in screenplay form yet. The writer, I think he's going to end up doing that for me whenever I decide to go forward with it. But um, that's, it's called A History of Kites. Mm-hmm. Um, and the playwright is, his name is Josh Beerman. And uh, he's in Seattle now. Um, but he was a playwright that was in my school. And uh, that's the first, that's one of the first things that I'm, the bigger projects that I want to do. Um, but then because it's a 40 minute play, I have to, we're either going to have to extend it or shorten it because you mm-hmm. can't really do a 40 minute short film. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of decisions I have to make with that, but that's definitely one. And then a good friend of mine back home in Alberta, he has a, a feature film that he wrote many, many years ago. That's been sitting on the shelf for a while. And uh, he's kind of started to think about it again. And now that I've produced something, we're sort of thinking about it at the same time. And I love, I've, I remember reading it, oh God, like, was it 2016? Probably like almost 10 years ago, if not more, a couple, like 10 or 11 years ago. And, and I loved it back then. And I know he's made some rewrites since, which I haven't seen, but uh, that's the other, that'll probably be the first feature that I get behind producing. So I don't know when those are going to happen, but in the next, in the next five years. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, writing is the other thing that like just blows me away. Writers and, and actors and their ability to be incredibly creative and or like to be able to, it's like producing, like how do you organize all that stuff? So it's like, I don't know. It's like trying to hold the hands of 48 different people at the same time and then having them all still show up at the mm-hmm. right spot at the right time to make it all work. It just sounds, it just sounds so incredibly challenging. Yeah, you definitely have to. That's the beauty of um, the, having relationships in the industry too is uh, working with people. Um, unless you're paying them, then that's, you know, money is usually a good way to get people somewhere. Mm. <laughs> but if you're not, um, but it, even if you are paying them, but um, relationships, working with people that you know and you trust and, you know, they're going to show up and they're going to help you do what you want to get done. So that's, that was a big factor in me choosing a lot of the people I worked with in my film that I produced last year. Well, before we, uh, before we wrap up, where can people check out some more of your stuff? They want to keep an eye out for what you're currently working on right now. I know you said uh, the film that you just completed is probably going to be, hitting the, the circuits in, in about a year or so, but uh, where's the best place for people to, to check out you and, and the work that you're doing? Um, my website, tanisperanto.com. Um, everything's there uh, from acting to producing to fitness to, yeah, everything that I'm doing. It stays updated pretty much. Um, but I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Everywhere. Got to be out there these days. <laughs> right. That's the thing is you got to, you know, get everyone wherever they're at. And that's uh, for people who are, uh, I guess, 
not fluent in, in French. I don't know. We, we were talking about this. <laughs> I don't know. It's T-A-N-I-S-P-A-R-E-N-T-E-A-U.com. It will be in the show notes at fakecast.network um, under the We Are Recording tab, which, hey, look at this. Second episode in, I got the name of the show right. Wait, so it's We Are Recording or Are We? Isn't it Are We Recording? Uh, it's... <laughs> Or did you get it? I, I got it wrong when I sent you a message too because I got it wrong when you t- when you Twittered or Twittered me, I don't know. Yeah. Like, Message me on Twitter. Okay. So so I I I registered this domain a couple months ago because I wanted to do a show where I just talked to people and I didn't want it to have to be under the uh the const- like the the constrictive walls of fitness or whatever. And um, I registered, we are recording because that, that's the whole joke. It's like, yeah. um, with all the agenda free stuff that I did with people, like some of the most fun I had was talking to people, not about fitness, but talking yeah. to them about like really like not like even like the fitness professional, that's not all they are. Like there's so much more than yeah. that. And it's like, you know, talking with you, it's like all this stuff that you're working on, whether it be like producing and and then acting and doing fitness stuff like you're doing such this wide range it's not just like one thing people are more than one dimensional maybe i should have called it like 3d something but anyways um <laughs> yeah that's that's what it is and i i'm 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 pretty sure it's we are recording <laughs> i mean things could change the, the, <laughs> the, i mean the network is gonna i'm sure gonna change over the next like six months it's just this is the uh you know, the train's just leaving the station. We're, we're going somewhere. We just don't know where we're going just yet. <laughs> right on. That's exciting. Uh, well, Tannis, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to jump on here and to, you know, talk with me and to talk about show, like really showbiz because it's, it's so crazy. It is. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the, on the brand new show. <laughs> <laughs> See, even you're not sure what it's called. See, I, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll figure it out at some point. Recording, comma, we are question mark. <laughs> yeah, like you guys, if if you found this, if you're listening to this, you clearly found it. You went to fitcast.network and you you found it from someplace on the website that at this time of recording, I haven't even created yet, but I'm working on it later today. This is going to be a crazy weekend. But um, seriously, thank you to everyone out there that is listening to all this stuff hopefully you're enjoying uh these great interviews at least i am like it was a blast to talk to you today so worst case you know i had a blast i hope you (laughs) did too and um thanks again and we'll we'll catch you next time tannis have a have a great day in new york at least it seems like it's warming up it is thank you 